0: This episode of Meet the Brave is sponsored by Soundtrack. Soundtrack is an Oakland-based producer, artist, that's gearing up to release his next project, How It Sound, on At The Ave Records in one day soon. Soundtrack has been making noise all over social media, releasing videos, which seems like daily, of being in a studio cooking up fire. And finally, he's bringing it to us live, both digitally and on cassette. So be sure to get over to Instagram and follow Soundtrack, that's S-N-D-T-R-A-K, and stay up to date and in the loop and ready for the release of How It Sound coming July 13th, Friday, July 13th, on At The Aff Records, and one day soon. For now, let's start the show. shout out to ethan and special shout out to you all for the support man um that's 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 really really truly um my brother and and had an awesome awesome time an incredible time a life-changing it's been a life-changing experience um collaborating with him and, and and working on this project and we're so excited to be so close to bringing it to you um more details again will, will come about and everyone that subscribes to the podcast will get it first so thank y'all thank you for continuing to write reviews and rate it that shit's so important um just for in terms of traction and, and helping it reach in terms of uh where it, the, the landing pages is and, so, and so forth on all the all of the platforms so thank you um continue support and continue to share. And uh this week's guest, um another phenomenal uh producer, but a man just a man with an incredible story. I'm um, a man noble producer. He and I and my big homie Max Kane have a track called Hard Truth that I released um in the spring that did great and is still doing great. Um, and, and like the, in true fashion of meet the brave, I, you know what, I I had this epiphany earlier today that meet the brave is my version of liner notes. And for those that don't know what I mean, oh no, well, no one knows what I mean. Cause it's my, you know, it's my thing, but, um, liner notes are where you find out who did what on said project. Um, and for albums in particular, who made? I want to know who made the beat, who recorded it, what studio was it recorded at? <laughs> Just weird stuff that uh that's super important to me and the the, you know everything surrounding an album or a particular song. And as you'll hear in this episode, with Noble, hella important to him. And there's a lot of people lining notes are important to all my diggers. Um, that want to find out what musicians are playing what, so they know what to get. Because you know it's funky if it's attached to certain people. I think present day, if you see um, if you see Terrace Martin's name on anything, probably go go grab that. Uh, there's a few multi instrumentalists that if their names on it, Adrian Young. Or the, if their names on it, Kareem Riggins. Like go uh, go get it. <laughs> it. Don't even don't even think about it. Um, and so, f- the way this show has been working out is I've just been meeting these people for whatever reason. I've been, they've been placed in my pl- path and I've been placed in theirs. And they just turn out to be sensational. Um, how the connection to Noble, our guest this week, I met DJ Flo first. He invited Max Kane to the studio, to play some beats. Max Kane then sent a beat that he and Noble made together. And bam, the connection was formed. Um, and, and Max will be on eventually. But with Noble, it was very it was, it was very poetic in that regard where we have this song and we're attached to one another via social, everyone that loves the song and supports the song is tagging the city. It's like, who is this guy? You know, and it was, it was awesome to really get down and sit, connect with him. And I'm excited to share this episode with you. And we'll get to it in a second. But I want want to recap and and you know and talk about some things the the show with black milk was this week and damn if y'all didn't come out and support that was incredible uh to pack out brick and mortar like that um, it was a spe- is a special it's one of my favorite rooms in the bay especially when you get a great uh sound engineer for the night and so shout out Daniel who killed it um, everything sounded amazing so. Thank y'all for coming out and fucking with us. That was that was incredible, man. And um, I look forward to sharing some more really important details with y'all. But that was a special night. I was late as fuck. <laughs> that was cool though. Like, I know a few people are like, yo, did you do that on purpose? Like, nah, fam. Like, everyone knows me and how I am with time. No way was I gonna pull that shit on purpose. Like, it just my I, 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 being late just gives me wild anxiety. And I think my cousin. Was enjoying it because he's always late and he was like um should we leave i'm like no nah, man we chilling so it was it was we switched roles on friday and it was pretty funny because i was like i was way too relaxed um what else am i what what else do we need to cover oh shit! don't let me i i this is the probably the most important thing i want to talk about as an as an artist and i've talk, talked about it before fandom my fandom drives my artistry fandom is always going to be first for me because it it's it's where my inspiration comes from it's why i love hip hop and hip hop introduce hip hop is how i understand the world hip hop is how i understand other genres uh jazz rock and roll soul like it's it literally was my window into the rest of the world um creatively and this summer um this year this calendar year uh 18 has been special um musically uh visually um film wise and short films and and it's just i'm 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 really proud of of all the creators and all the people um pushing expression as far as they are and embracing technology and 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 embracing you know the climate um, politically and socially and including these things and being and being charged and being inspired. In the last, the last six weeks, some of the most incredible bodies of work. Um, Black Thought and Ninth Wonder giving us a joint victory. Holy shit! Oh my gosh! Um, I can That album came out Friday. Uh, and then uh, what else? Fantastic Negritos this Friday. Salute to the big homie and all the guys that have been on tour, burning it down. Uh, please don't be dead, y'all. Please go check that. Help them out. Um, who else? Uh, the the entire we know what good music is doing. That's been an incredible run, and I'm enjoying that. But I'm like for Nas to come back and give that feeling. That a uh, damn Adam and Eve has been on been on repeat. Like I can't get enough of that. Uh I'm missing so i I could go on and on y'all uh what what else what what else am i missing because i don't wanna i don't wanna sit here for, oh shit j rock um and check out check out the the road to redemption series like j the story the story of j rock and tde and him being their flagship artist and and you know what and I don't know if everybody knows this but like most things when you're the first you're the guinea pig, so everyone, we're trying things, we're failing, you know, you're the first one over the hill, so those that come behind you reap the benefits um, of you going first with J-Rock is really specific in that Kendrick, Q, SZA, everyone on the label that came after him, they sorta had it dialed in in terms of how they wanted to approach and take over and, and, and retain ownership and and as a as a result, it took some time to figure out Rock's place in the industry and, and, and develop and give us and give us the body of work in in redemption is incredible. Like it's an incredible body of work. The truths that he's telling, the 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 conversation. I'm always fascinated by whether artists are aware of certain narratives and J Rock Attacks the narrative about um, his place in the label and what his label mates, the successive label mates, are having. He attacks and address that, addresses that shit head on and admits to you know to battling with some with you know with with his spot and all and I, and I, I don't know. I just found him owning that truth to be hella refreshing. Clearly, I'm a stand. So rock, thank you, TDE, the whole crew. It's special. The, everything around it has been special. But no I want I really wanted to, to have that moment to talk about the music that's helped because of how much it's all meant to me um, to continue to, to listen and be this involved. and I'm missing hella albums like I didn't even I didn't even get close to rattling off everything because there's a there's a ton of music. but um, just as some insight of what I've been listening to is I just named it uh, Hove and B on a Saturday and that was that was a special like a special moment. And appreciate people being able to make moments in a climate where we're so overfed with with content. Like it's just, it's moving so fast. So people, take your time, sit with what you want to sit with, and, and and process it and digest it. Live with it. There's no rush. It's not going nowhere. Um, but to con- but continue, continue to support the things that move you. This is somebody I'm truly a fan of. Here's my episode with no. Check, check, check. Check one. And we got good levels too, right off the bat. This one. We um Meet the Brave. My favorite thing in the world now in terms of creative expression. And we got one of my favorite creators in the building. <laughs> I, what? And then, see, I should have asked this off air so the intro wouldn't be weird. <laughs> do I say? Do you want Ivan? You want Noble? What, we, how, what, are, how what do How do we do it? What of your preference? <laughs> I, I don't like you. <laughs> we got Noble in the building. Um, Sir, producer, instrumentalist, photographer. Sorry. What am <laughs> I missing? What am I'm I missing? Beginner photographer. For, is photography first?
1: No, no, no. Oh,
0: beginner photographer. Okay, I got it, it, got it, yeah. got it. What uh what got you wanting to get into photography? Just a new uh just another outlet to be
1: creative. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, you know. I I personally like looking at photography and yeah. you know, catching people's um I don't know, views on life it mm-hmm. and and you know, I'm an individual that wants to explore that a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I
0: find um, you know, with you know, the further we go, looking for new outlets of expression is like so important. Totally, yeah. and so uh, I, everybody that comes through, I try to go show them the garden, and that's like <laughs> that's my world lately. Between my mom and I, like, it's I don't know, it's just something else to like fixate over and and obsess over and think about and like yeah. dive into. And I don't know why that's important, but it it the more the more you do and the more you accomplish, you need to like. Break yourself down and be a beginner at something else. Totally. Yeah. So, well, gardening was like
1: super important to me as a kid because my parents were big into it and we had like our own boxes where we would plant our own, you know, vegetables, strawberries, whatever we'd want to like. You know, my brother and I would have our own little setups. So gardening Damn. when we were young was pretty important. I yes. mean, my parents were hippies, so they like <laughs> they were into like drying their own fruit and you know, making their own granola and baking
0: their own bread. So Well that's that's definitely a good place to start. So where where do your folks come from? Oh, uh my folks? Well, um my mom's from Italy. Okay. She came
1: here when she was eighteen. With her family or by herself? Uh by herself, but um through her family. Okay. Um my grandmother was had met an American in Tehran, mm-hmm. um, and through that relationship, uh, brought you know my grandmother and my mom out to the states. Yeah, but my mom came like a little bit later, I think. Okay. Down the line. Wow! And then, pot.
0: What about your pops?
1: My pops is California kid. You know, family's all from. I don't know.
0: They've probably been in America for hundreds of years. <laughs> but mean, no. But you know. uh, we talking. We talking. Uh, Northern, the Southern, or they—they they all Bay Area. What? What's their? Uh,
1: he is Southern California. Okay.
0: Um.
1: Yeah, kind of just a California kid. Yeah. And then uh, my pops and mom met in San Francisco, and wow,
0: and. <laughs> and, here then, I then, am. <laughs> and then who? And then you siblings? You said you mentioned your brother. Is it just you two? No, I got I got a, a full brother. I got a
1: half brother in okay. Jersey, and then a half sister that is in the city here. And then ha- the the half
0: brother and sister that from mom or dad, from mother's side. From mom's side. So, okay. Yeah. yeah that, and it's with with uh, with with split families like that because that's I always have to. You know, interesting. Like people are so like, damn, your family's huge. And I'm like, yeah, that's my my brother, half brother, step brother. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. it gets it gets mad complicated. But growing up, you know that that whole that term half or step you just kind of throw it out. It just like this is what it is. And yeah, <laughs>
1: well, they're they're little they're a little older than I am. So okay, um, my sister's I think 11 years older than me, and my wow. brother might be 12 or 13 years older than me.
0: So mom came, moms came and went to the East Coast first. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Um, yeah, she came
1: East Coast. Then my my grandmother, I think, came out and then they all connected and then eventually moved to the West Coast. Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, first stop for like, I mean, immigrants Everybody in general. Everybody has got to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely from, they landed the East Coast and then worked away. way unless you're coming from the other side of the world i guess but
0: <laughs> what uh, is uh and how 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 much like in terms of just conversations have you had about your parents initial experiences like children essentially um your mom being eight, 18 and coming to them, like that's crazy to to think have you talked to her much about that yeah i mean i've had
1: plenty of conversations about it she came here didn't know any english mm-hmm. um she was kind of raised by nuns in italy wow. she's from bologna Super Catholic, uh, kind of. Uh, She's she's now Buddhist, but oh wow. (laughs) In in terms of her thinking, she (laughs) doesn't like, you know, practice very tough, but (laughs) um, but yeah, my grandmother was a singer, and she was in Tehran, and she was like singing in the whole Tehran area. Wow. Um, and my um my my like, real grandfather kind of disappeared in World War Two. Gotcha. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, my mom was kind of raised. While my grandmother was out uh, exploring her musical career mm-hmm. and trying to trying to expand on that, um, some, she had a cool band. I got some cool. She has a vi- piece of vinyl like that we got from Tehran. We got someone to send us her like yeah. actual. Um, Vinyl. That's amazing. Pretty awesome. There's even a little like light little drum break in the beginning. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Always
0: looking for the break. What um and how in terms of career wise, would she does she consider it a success or how did she how did your grandmother speak of her career? Well, she was the like house
1: band for the Shah of Persia. I mean, uh, uh, of Tehran. So she had like a good, um, she had a good audience. There you go. She was and and at that time Tehran was like kind of a hot spot in terms of like. Uh, I, I don't know if there was casinos there, but there was a lot of clubs there. Mm-hmm. It was like a vacation spot, mm-hmm. so um, the nightlife there was was pretty extraordinary, from yeah. what I understand and, mm-hmm. and have gathered from it. So, um, so I think she had success there, and then you know she met it. Uh, my step grandfather was out there planning. He was like um, planning the roadways and helping them build infrastructure, um, kind of like a government employee that went out there, and then they met. I'm assuming through the nightlife yeah. or however. And then um, he asked to marry, and they just rolled out to the States.
0: Damn. So. Damn. Uh, and then we, we jump ahead, but how, how much of your grandmother's history in connection with music did you know growing up? Uh, not much.
1: Okay. I mean, she would sing in church, and I, I didn't go to church all that often, but mm-hmm. they were, like, in church every Sunday. Yeah. And um, she was always part of uh, the choir, or you know, um, she was she would sing when I was like really young. But mm-hmm. I think when she moved to the states, she became more of the like, you know, family family one. She had my mom had like they had new kids, so yeah. um, so I think she became more of like I, I don't want to say the housewife, but but more of that role of like you know nurturing. Children, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So um, not much more music exploration
0: after Got that. You. So you, so, <clears throat> I, and I only ask because um, you have a, you have a real unique sound and it, it seems to be a unique approach to music. And I'm, and to me, it always seems to be some sort of connection Um, to having either a family member or someone that you really, looked up to be having entered either introduce you to music or having some sort of connection to music that was your segue your introduction into mm-hmm. it and so um, fa- I'm, but a lot of times you find out that people didn't even know that someone in their family was considered a successful musician mm-hmm. at some point and so um, did you before you got into music or when you got into music was that something that was on your mind or that you were aware of or did you just get it, just go into it I mean, as a kid, I was
1: always into music. I mean, the first tape I, like, remember overdubbing was, like, Run DMC. (laughs) So as a kid, I was definitely into music, but I think in terms of the music direction that I, like, fell into, probably Mm -hmm. a lot of that came from what my sister would bring home. Got you. Um,
0: And you said said 11 years older. Yeah, so she was, like... There you go, yeah. She
1: was already, like, at that time, she was listening to like you know Ice T and like damn that's that's like the way that's Prince. the way to get into <laughs> yeah. So I was like listening to Prince and Ice T and mm-hmm. Public Enemy and you know everything she brought home was a huge influence on me. Absolutely, and she was in a cool music scene. Like she knew like a lot of DJs mm-hmm. and you know like like a lot of like people that influenced her musical taste. So, and where were, where were you guys living? Uh, I was living in in a town called Yauntville, but she was in L.A. Okay. So she would come up all the time and bring music. Mm-hmm. Um and I think she would she's probably played the biggest role in terms of music inspiration for me uh-huh. in terms of just introducing me to I mean, being from, from the valley up north, like we never really got much music and, and there was no internet, no like and and Not like it is yeah, yeah, I didn't, like even, near, yeah, didn't, I didn't even have a TV at that time. Yeah. So it was like M T V was probably just starting or mm-hmm. you know. So in terms of um, exploring music or being um, influenced by it, mm-hmm. uh, mainly came from my sister just because of what she was like listening to at the time. Yeah,
0: that and that, that relationship and that number, <clears throat> 10, 12, yeah. is a good enough gap where they're still super influential when you look up to them. You like sort of hold on to every word. Totally. Um, had a few guests that have had that similar dynamic, and for me, it was the same. Both my godbrother and my dad's youngest sister, exactly ten years older than me, so all the shit that they were listening exactly. to. Exactly, I my aunt was probably a freshman in high school when uh, a Bizarre Ride was coming out. That ah, Shit, I Classic. was probably four, uh-huh. and that was my that was every that was life. Yeah, and then a few years later, when she left for college. That's when the cash money shit hit. And yeah. she brought the juvenile, huh? tape back. <laughs> that was a classic, dude. <laughs> and I just, we, she's like, you, like, we, we picked her up from the airport. We, we sped home. She's like, I got, a, she, and she kept, she called the week before and said, Hey, I got something for you. I didn't know what it was. I didn't, I had no idea. And we got back to her house. She's had her same boombox. Mm-hmm. And she put that tape in. And just those drums in the beginning, doom, doom, doom. Yeah, doom, yeah. doom and I'm like, what the, f-? I, I'll never forget that day. Yeah, But that dynamic, and and I'm not even sure if I thought the music was cool, but because they thought it was cool, that shit was, it was amazing yeah. to me. And it's, a, it's a, a necessary filtering system, if you will. Totally. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, that's how I got all my music filtered down to me was just through my uh, my siblings. And my parents, I mean, my parents listened to cool stuff. My dad was listening like more like Steely Dan and right. that type of there stuff. But my mom would only listen to reggae. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we'd always be hitting like the reggae shows and stuff. So,
0: so um, you were around superb taste, I must say. Yeah. I mean, I was listening
1: like, as a kid, I was listening to like Israel vibration Mm -hmm. and those type of things. So, um, the music was cool and and I was listening to good stuff. Like the, like my dad was more rock, like the doors or Led Zeppelin my mom was more like reggae and stuff like that. So,
0: and then, and then Yonfield, where's, where the hell is that?
1: Yonfield is in Napa Valley. It's like a really small town. Um, that's where I spent, I was basically born and raised out there.
0: Okay. Um, and then moved out to Oakland in 97 and been in the Bay since. Okay. what And then t- talk about just growing up. What were the, you know, dynamics and the demo breakdown? You, you remember? Is it? Well, yeah, Well, Napa Valley in general is just
1: kind of um, a tourist destination, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, vineyards everywhere. It's yeah. I mean, it's mostly known for the wine industry. Um, but, I mean- when I was growing up, like there was like walnut or a walnut orchards around everywhere, and it mm-hmm. wasn't really, it was definitely a tourist destination, but it wasn't as, as what it is now. It's expanded into this whole like industry. Industry, yeah, life. yeah. It, I,
0: that I that <clears throat> we lived in, we we were in Vallejo for like a year, and um, and started hearing about Napa. I would never heard about that shit ever, mm-hmm. and it seemed like you know the thing to do, but it was like for the people that knew about it you know and then i like anything nothing's a secret anymore like yeah, if it gets popular real. it just gets popular you know <laughs> and so that napa seems to be one of those places that that had that of uh, that had that sort of uh influx or if you will like seems like that it went through that that's that's pretty
1: yeah it's yeah. um yeah it's it's turned into something that I, <laughs> it's that, a machine I yeah think. it's yeah. a definitely i mean i i recognized it when i was a kid mm-hmm. but um the way it's like changed today it's like i mean i don't know the money they've put into that valley is it's crazy is crazy <laughs>
0: and then with the are you were your was your you still have family there so were they yeah affected my mom by the fire? Still out there uh yeah so they were
1: they were somewhat affected by the fire uh the hillside next to them i mean my brother sent me pictures and video of just helicopters flying over them and putting like you know wa- dropping water Damn. and stuff like that but it, it they were in the in the center of the valley more so mm-hmm. that whole fire didn't really like i mean they dealt with it but yeah. it didn't affect them i do have a lot of people that um that i know that were seriously affected by it. um and it's kind of crazy actually driving through there um it just you realize how big of a fire it was and, yeah. and how widespread it was cuz i mean i mean literally mountains are like empty of just burned trees yeah. and it's just
0: it was uh it was i don't know it's a crazy one yeah um so growing grow, I, I don't know i'm just trying to <clears throat> trying to wrap my mind around it because uh, knowing of that area specifically a tour as a tourist destination having gone there to just visit like kind of hey not, and i haven't spent much time there at all growing up there what is it like what is it like growing up there? High school uh, and the school systems, what was that like? I think in general
1: it was like any small town mm-hmm. um experience. Uh, you know, I was liking the skateboarding and and, and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just there's not much to do out there, I think as a, as a middle school kid, there was like sports and yeah. stuff like that did you did you hoop or play football yeah i, mean, I played then? i played a little i played basketball in middle school, okay. but then got into like skateboarding and music as a high school kid got so. you. um but the experiences there you know not much to do like you know I think middle school is cool you get into high school there's nothing to do, and you're at that point where you know you get bored and then you start doing dumb stuff and it's like, you know, turn like a lot of kids turn to drugs yeah. or, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I mean in high school, I like, I, I left for Seattle and lived in Seattle for a couple of years in high school, in high school. Oh wow. What, just what, because of that small town experience where I was like, you know, with my older siblings like influenced me, I just want to get to the big city. You were, you were over it. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I had some cousins I went up to, a, I went up for, um, my father's cousin's wedding mm. and I'd never met these folks and uh went up there and clicked with them really well and I was like man I'd love to come up live up here yeah They're like, come, come on, on up. <laughs> <laughs> were they were they around your age too uh, uh no no they this was my father's cousin so they were like my dad's age Got it and then they had a couple kids but um I was like the first teenager in the house. They had like a four. They had like my their second cousins to me, but I think one was maybe six and one was four. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um,
0: they were they were quite young at the time. <laughs> so you did what? Did you do? For, you did all of high school in Seattle, or how? Last, uh,
1: last two years. Last two years, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, and Seattle. I mean, like getting to a big city like that. That really like, um, coming from a small town, like,
0: like just really like, broke it open yeah
1: it just expanded my horizons <laughs> like you'd never believe <laughs> what
0: um and then you said you had already gotten into music but prior to leaving mm-hmm. what 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 was that was it band? what was it no it was just more collecting records really. okay um like i knew
1: what I, re- I like i knew i wanted to like dj mm. so um the like the I, I didn't have any money to buy turntables yeah. like at that point in time and um it was something that i like i knew i was gonna get so yep. i already started collecting records like i was already out <laughs> buying like you know all the 12 inches and stuff like i i probably could have bought records if i didn't buy if you just say i probably bought my turntable so i didn't buy records but i was like so determined to like have a collection that when i did get my turntables i'd be ready to Absolutely. go and already stuff so i mean i was I, I was digging like sophomore i mean not sophomore junior senior year of high school
0: in seattle in Seattle. Okay. Okay. Uh, preparing myself. Had you found? <laughs> had you found any spots prior to leaving, or did the digging just start as soon as you got to Seattle?
1: Not like the thrift stores around when I grew up, like, but not like heavily. Like, yeah. I was like more still like figuring out what all that stuff was gonna be. Yeah. Um. So and I wasn't like digging for like breaks or anything like that. It was you just, just wanted like, to have good. I year. just like like I would hit the flea market. There was a Bismarky record or like Ice Cube or yeah. whatever you know. Like I'd go cop those. That's yeah.
0: <clears throat> what. Um. what and then influences. Then, because we're talking about Seattle. You, what year were you? You said you got to so Seattle. Seattle was in ninety three. Ninety three.
1: Ninety three. Okay. And then um,
0: uh, ninety three to ninety five. Okay. And then what, musically, um, DJ wise, producer wise, what were what were the biggest influences then? Oh, in ninety three to ninety yeah. five for you, for you specifically. Oh, DJ wise. Yeah. Or just in general, to make you go, this is the shit I should be collecting. This is what I want. Well, I mean, at that time, I was listening to, like, Tribe and DeLon. I
1: mean, you know, you see Prince Paul Mm -hmm. and and all those guys, and you're like, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, I like those sounds. Like, how do I make those sounds, you know? Um, So I would say, like, you know, anything along those lines. I mean, Farsight came out, like, somewhere around 93, 94. Exactly. you know, just all that stuff that like that era of music for me. I mean, but it also like I take I always take into account that that's the age I was at and like you know, today's music kids will find classic, but today for me like that era was like undeniable. Absolutely, like, I mean. But I was like
0: heavily influenced by it. You know? Yeah, um, you had your black moons and all that type <laughs> of stuff. So, and then because I I want because I the 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 be a, being a liner note baby, and I know you can relate. Oh my God, the importance yeah. of just reading and but even there there was still a disconnect for me where i'm just like i'm just reading it because it's just a thing to do not that there's it took it probably took until the raucous days and like the later raucous days mm-hmm. for me to finally go wait a minute <laughs> and start connecting the dots yeah. record to record album to album um but what's that? How what's happening to you in terms of just to getting the wheels turning and going? Oh shit! Because you just talked about it, like Prince Paul's name is on all these different records from crew mm-hmm. to crew, and you're like, okay, this just makes sense. How heavily does that like kick you in the overgear? Like, now nah, this is for sure what I'm going to do, like without any doubt. Because it's just, I th- it's just a, such a fascinating concept to have been inspired by that era in particular because mm-hmm. it is a particular like it it's so particular in terms of like it's no rules think about prime prince paul all like from producer producer from producer to producer sound to sound like it's just breaking worlds open totally and then in that process you're going nah, this is what i'm going to do i it just seemed it sounds so overwhelming well yeah it was a little <laughs> overwhelming um yeah i don't know in terms
1: of linear notes i mean that was like maybe half the fun of like buying a new record it's like you're listening to it and you're and you know i mean we don't have the same experience today because everything's so digital and and not there but you're holding the the this thing you just purchased Mm -hmm. there's a story that it's telling you everything that's on this thing you've just purchased (laughs) so it's like reading a book kind of Mm -hmm. especially if there's like Folders inside where you can flip them open and, yeah. and you see who's like producing it, like what sample where are Where it was using, recorded. Yeah. Where it's recorded. Um, you know, uh, that's definitely lost in today's world, but yeah. um, that was kind of half the fun of mm-hmm. just buying music. Yeah. Uh, it's just seeing those linear notes was like, <laughs> man, <laughs> especially old records. Oh, yeah. Like that's where you catch all the like, oh, who's playing on this? Yeah. Like, and then you start like, you start connecting the dots on like who's the fresh players, you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, linear notes are the best. What, um, so you're in in Seattle, and then is it back home after after fin- after school for a little bit before Oakland, or is it straight to Oakland? Uh, well,
1: yeah, I graduated in '95, so mm. I went back home for a little bit. Got my first pair of turntables in '95. <laughs> And then, um, did you start gigging immediately or was it, no, it was more just DJing around Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, what's weird is that I don't, I didn't really have anybody around me to show me DJing. Like I, I literally had to like pick it up from just watching like random videos or like, I mean the first, actually the first, like the first thing where I actually like learned DJing stuff was this invisible scratch pickles, um, VHS tape that they were selling uh, and that's like the first video where I like I saw people doing what I wanted to do mm-hmm. um and it mm-hmm. was more of like a teaching video than anything. It was yeah. like, "Oh, now I can finally see <laughs> how they <laughs> I'm supposed to and, use my gear <laughs> and it wasn't even used as a teaching tool but you're just watching them and it was like a camera dedicated to what they were doing yeah. so it was a teaching tool in that Absolutely. sense like they weren't like oh here's how exactly I do this they were showing you what they were doing mm-hmm. but like you know you're on VHS you're rewinding you're playing back you're rewinding Damn. you're playing back Um, but yeah around my around the people I was with we were all skaters and, and into music but no one wanted No, I wasn't around any DJs so and it was like it was, a, it, yeah, it was a mystery to me like I didn't yeah. have any influences personally mm-hmm. it was all through like The music or, you know, it was outer connections, not not inner connections in terms of um, what influenced me to want to get into that world. Hmm. Um, So I wish I did have those early (laughs) connects where they were really taught me the
0: ropes. I I think I would have picked it up much quicker. But you, you know, but you went your own route and you and and then and then what brought the what brought on the move to the town? What made you? Go, I'm going to Oakland. <laughs> city life. Yeah, just, again. Yeah, just wanted to be in the city. Yeah. Um, and
1: at that time, you know, Oakland was cool. It's like, it's not the same as it is today. Um, <laughs> nothing is. Nothing, nothing in this, is, nothing nothing in is. this bay not, is the same at as it all, was. At all. Um, but Oakland was was a spot. I knew some people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a good uh, place to kind of build a foundation and and,
0: and you know, experience new things would you would you come in to like doing did you work did you start gigging immediately i went to laney okay uh i was at laney
1: for a little bit um and then yeah worked in between there just tried to like you know i was young just trying to find my (laughs) just
0: trying to find whatever i could get into those those that those years are so important and we don't you know there's this uh i don't even know where it stems from but this idea of having shit together and having it all figured out immediately and it's like dog nah i need need to like really go explore some shit you know but it's to have it's I, i do think it's uh spiritual journeys and 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 creatives in particular um it's it's i feel like it's necessary for everyone but it the the stigma that it gets makes it to where a lot of people don't explore for themselves and they and they force themselves to have a response when someone goes, What are you what are you doing with your mm-hmm. life? And you're like <laughs> the thought of saying, Dog, I don't know It's just yeah. like <laughs> but sometimes it's okay to say, Yeah, I I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean
1: at that age you don't even you There's don't no even, way you don't even know to say that. You're so like immature and like yeah. you don't have like a full grasp on who you are at that moment in time. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'm still like finding myself so yeah. you know. At that age specifically, you yeah. have a you have a t- you have a
0: hard time like relating yourself to others in a like mature sense. Fuck yeah, man. What uh are you gigging did but when you came into town or is it not still not yet? No, no, no. not yet. Um I was just still trying to find myself mm-hmm. um
1: you know, meeting new people. Yeah. Um, going to shows, like just just kind of starting to become part of like the community. The scene, yeah. yeah. And just uh, just
0: reaching out to people and meeting people and mm. and everything like that. What's the what what are those means then? Because we're still talking, we're still talking pre cell phone and shit. So, God, it's hard to even remember how we communicated <laughs> back
1: then. Like with today's game, it's so like you it, know one one little to send, send a DM. <laughs> um, man, communication back then, jeez. That's a tough one. I mean, I saw a payphone the other day and I was like, does that even still work?
0: <laughs> Toronto still has all their payphones, <laughs> by the way. Just wanna we'll let people know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was a different way to communicate back then. Yeah. Um, you know, all landlines. All
0: landlines. <laughs> yeah, man. Leave a message on the answer machine. <laughs> exactly. I might get back to you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know. I'm I'm and I'm only asking because uh We talk about New York, of course, atlanta l a um Houston, uh Chicago, see shit Seattle, like these pockets of scenes and and like really dominating runs, when you think of consistency though both on the mainstream level and underground level. I think at some point the bay will get its recognition but it hasn't come yet. Um and part of say consistency is that underground scene of not just performers but producers and players mm-hmm. and DJs alike mm-hmm. and like how international that they are and have been shit yeah. since the since the since the late 80s if you think about it but especially in that Mid to late '90s, run early 2000s. There's some some special shit happening here, um, and I'm only at. And as someone that was, you just said you're working on getting yourself integrated with the scene. Can you talk about anything that was going on that you that you remember that you thought was special or that you were witnessing? And then what was? When did you feel like you finally had a breakthrough? Because your homies and and crew would, y'all are some special motherfuckers, and we'll talk <laughs> we'll talk about it. But is that when i'm assuming that's when you guys all met if not sooner
1: i would say we met uh well in terms of uh the people you're referencing i probably met them around 99 2000 okay exactly um but in terms of like in the scene back then i mean i was you know there was like folks like free like in terms of people i was looking for um man there were so many people uh I mean, of course, you had all the like hieroglyphics folks. that yeah. I would always like to go to those shows and um, all the DJ scenes, like watching Q Bird and Shortcut. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, in the in the mid to like late nineties, there was a ton of stuff here it, that incredible. was incredible. Like, it's yeah. overwhelming to even think about. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and then you meet your crew. Yeah, so I met I met a bunch of folks
1: in. Probably like 99, 2000, I actually moved out to the city mm-hmm. and um, met a bunch of folks. I, I moved in with this guy named uh, DJ Devro, mm-hmm. And he's actually from Oxnard. And he was a DJ, uh, but more of like, uh, he was like trying to do the battle scenes yeah. and stuff like that. And that's how I met a lot of like the people that I um, kind of collaborate with now mm-hmm. and, and and consider like really close friends. Um, but DJ Devro, actually he's, I was, I was into DJing, but didn't take it like super seriously. Um, I met him and then he introduced me to like music production. Gotcha. And, uh, I would say he's probably like, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't even make music. Wow. Um, honestly, because he was already like, he already had like a foot in the game in terms of he knew what he wanted to do mm-hmm. he knew how to do it mm-hmm. and i i knew what i wanted to do but i know didn't how know to. how to do it <laughs> exactly and um and he really like opened my mind up in terms of not only the djing stuff which i didn't prefer i, I didn't pursue much after that because i really liked the more of the music production Absolutely. stuff um, was that i'm sorry to cut you off was
0: that was that a uh, instantaneous too almost okay like
1: and and i took DJing serious, but not serious enough. Like yeah. it was more. I just loved the music. I yeah. wasn't trying to like be the like freshest cutter. Or, yeah, like, yeah, do all the like tricks or anything like that. I just really liked the music. I like making blends, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but when he kind of introduced me to music production, I was like, "This is what I want to mm-hmm. do." Um, but still, at that point, like you know, there was no, there was no how to or anything like yeah. that. So, um, he kind of showed me the ropes on sampling i like i did have a sampler like my first my first um mixer did have a sample and had a really crummy drum machine and they weren't even <laughs> well, what, what was anything. it uh i don't remember the stamp sampler was like maybe a new mark or something okay. like that I, I can't really remember it had a mm-hmm. big button and you could sample for like four seconds you like hold it down <laughs> You could sample into the mixer, and then you just push the button repeatedly while you had like a really bad drum machine playing. I mean, I couldn't lay it down. I didn't even have a four-track at the time. I yeah. couldn't lay any of its stuff down. But I knew that that was something that was done by people that I looked up to and respected. Yeah. I just didn't know how to do, do it. <laughs> um, but Dev definitely showed me how to do it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he had like some drum machines and samplers, and um, and that influenced me to buy the SP12. Yeah and uh started on that and then moved to the mpc um 2000 and just kind of progressed from there but um yeah without his guidance originally i probably wouldn't even be making music that's
0: crazy man
1: um and i mean he still makes music and and he did great music stuff for the bay yeah so he's um he's still he's still making he still influences me to this day but that's how i met like a whole bunch of djs um in regards to like tico and max Max Kane. kane
0: yeah
1: um Tico would come over to our house and because and, Tico was in the in the battling scene also yeah and uh, they kind of um, met through the scene and and then Tico would start coming over and um, working on they'd be working on DJ stuff and I'd be just watching them amazed <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know in in the spare time and in between times be trying to work on music with everybody and yeah. just trying to figure out how to do it in the first place yeah um it was all experiments i mean back then there was no like youtube videos being like i have a drum machine and this is how it works yeah like, like it's none of that
0: you got to trial straight trial yeah it
1: was and like it. figure it out and if you can you'll make it if you can't shit. you can't do it
0: <laughs> 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 i mean analog gear is like the most intimidating intimidating shit in the world like the floppies they used to with the npcs and all that it's just like Bro, this isn't this is nuts like yeah. i'm straight digital baby like totally. hard drive hard drives and software like yeah. is is my world yeah when i had the sb 12 it was like the the
1: like five inch floppy oh drives it gosh. wasn't even the like little zip disk yeah. things it was like the big boys. the big floppy <laughs> ones you could go like this and it just bend back and forth i mean it was like quite intense actually and saved like hardly anything i mean you'd like you
0: really had to like barely any sample time at all with that with that how have you how have you embraced uh technology as it's changed you just have you gone with the flow did you fight it at all did you find yourself fighting it um you know what
1: made me fight it was just money got it like uh technology is expensive computers are expensive plugins are expensive (laughs) um but i embrace technology now yeah. um, back then it was just, it was more of a money thing. Like Absolutely. I would have embraced it back then if I just had money. <laughs> <laughs> like if I had more money, I would have invested in lean like max back in the day. And I would have had all the up and coming gear, but it just was uh, a lack of resources. Really. Um I probably would have, if I had more resources back then I would have invested yeah. in more. But um back then it was just records. And if you had a drum machine, whether it was an MPC or an SB 12, then you could be rocking for you know days and exactly. that's and for hip hop that's all you needed anyways that's it. um I think those those two building blocks records and uh <laughs> and a sampler, whether it was like you know emu or or you know uh uh Akai or whatever um as long as you had those two things it was a good place to start yeah, yeah you could make i mean that's all the that pete rock was using that's all the that premiere was using <laughs> like they weren't using any like you know high technology tools mm-hmm. they were just like they had the tools that that were given to them or that they could afford a time and, yeah. and they made classics so damn man
0: and then how, how how early in terms of getting into production did creating and projects and songs start for you how was that immediate or did it take time
1: i w- it it took me a long time mm-hmm. um i've f- it just took me a while to find a sound. It took me a while to just to figure out the whole process. I mean, it was a long learning process for me, and I feel like I'm still learning, of course, Absolutely. but I feel like I'm in the like after all these years, I'm in a a spot where I feel comfortable enough. But but it took a long time and and you know, couldn't really I didn't really know what sound to go for, you know, influenced by so many different things yeah. and um But, I mean, back then it was like you make a little beat CD or a beat tape Mm. and, and, you know, you give it out to some people. But, I mean, it was a mystery on how to get stuff out, you know, how to, like, get into the right hands, you know. Um, But it was also a mystery of of how to, like, create a big enough sound, too. Like, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I was making back then is, like, the sound was so small and so, like, it just – it wouldn't hit and it was because you know not that it, not that it was like bad or anything but i mean the npc it was like there was no eqs mm-hmm. there was no compressors i mean i didn't understand any of that stuff of so yeah. my stuff was sounding pretty flat i'm sure <laughs> back in the day <laughs> like i thought it was bumping at the time but i bet i listened to it now i was like oh, yeah. that's flat <laughs> that was always
0: my favorite thing when you listen to um a lot of the tribe shit anything dre was to anything coming out of that whole entire camp from Daz and RBX and all those guys. Mm-hmm. How hard that shit was banging. Yeah. And then as history has shown from overdubs to the right, you know, the right outboard gear, you can make a lot of that thin shit sound. Gold, For sure. you know, and so yeah. it's just the the tricks and the tools of the trade and everything. Yeah. And it's a you know, it's a natural Coming of age process and like all the shit that Bob Power was doing for Tip and his drums and his bass lines and shit, like, totally it was crazy. Yeah, but you no, know, not you know, not knowing those secrets until later, you like exactly. Ah, and there was no tools <laughs> to teach you those secrets, yeah. like, yeah.
1: And that's that's the amazing part of technology today is you can like literally learn anything you want in like five minutes, absolutely. But back then, yeah, it was like if you didn't have like someone showing you the way or you were in an apprenticeship or something like that it was hard to come across that knowledge that you were seeking yeah um except for self-exploration like and exploring it yourself um so i mean i'm not saying that that like held me back or anything but um it it would have sped up the process i think for a lot of people if they had a mentorship or someone who knew what they were doing (laughs) when you were like i want to be creative and i want to do this (laughs) i just don't know how to do it yeah um, I'm sure the process would have been sped up. So, I th- I th-
0: but the, I think because we I was having this conversation with a friend actually earlier today and like all week, just you know the breakthrough and and what the struggle sort of represents. So you there's a love hate. Then you hate the struggle, and then you get on the other side of you. Like, I'm so glad I had to go through that. Cause, totally. You know, it, it is this sort of initiation process where. Not everyone makes it, Mm -hmm. you know, the struggles pretty consistent in how hard it's going to be on everyone across the board. Harder on some people than than others for sure. But no matter what, there is this shit storm you got to go through. And if you in the process of going through it, you don't even realize the tools and shit that you're picking up and all the things that you've learned. And one thing that you hit on which is being influenced by so much. Really can have a, the reverse effect on you. Like, yo, I don't want to be pigeonholed at all. I don't want to just make one thing, yeah. you know. And uh, that's something I struggled with for a really long time. Is prior to going to school, I was just straight main anything mainstream from talking Rockefeller bad boy, the, like Cash Money, like anything that was made was my shit. Like, mm-hmm. and made no beefs about it. I thought it was it. But then I got to school and everybody was on backpack shit and I was like familiar with it and so I, I knew it. And just as a process of just wanting to fit in, I went with that, but it just wasn't my nature. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until recently when I broke out of that, I was like, ah, fuck that, <laughs> yeah. 30 gold chains. Like that's me, that's just me, you know, but it's, uh, uh, I'm so glad I went through that process. And what you find is that they're just siblings you know they're no they're no different Mm -hmm. and they all they all influence each other one way or another and not the what what happens to creatives in terms of being boxed into a lane and having to just be this one thing it really is stifling and and in that process i learned oh i could do i could be all of that Mm -hmm. you know for from my from my house influences from my punk influences from my ska, like all that, totally. all that shit can be put into the music, into my form of expression, and that's how I'll find my own particular voice. Yeah, um, but it is that it's such a process, you know, because it's like it, you're overwhelmed with sounds, and then the fear of not being understood will make you suppress some of the things that are most important to you when they should absolutely be put into your totally. expression, you know. So it's a it's a real it's tedious, man, but it's you know it's it's hella beautiful at yeah. the end of the day. you got you gotta play like a dual role you gotta like let it all in but let it all go too yes yes um that's that's so important the letting it go
1: part yeah. you know because you don't want to get stuck for too long no nah. that stifles <laughs>
0: <laughs> what uh talk to us what projects what what can we expect i know there's the um we well let's start there because we have a joint together yeah that's Doing fucking great, and when uh Max sent the beat, it's like because he Max had sent me a few joints, and I was like, Max, this shit is banging, and I and I did it like immediately. He was like, Dog, he's like, No, it's my boy Ivan on there too. I was like, What? And it's just a in terms of that bit, it's a big sound Mm -hmm. starting there, most importantly, it's super, a super big sound, and it, it has a lot going on but at the same time it doesn't Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's what's and for me tracks in general if if i start mumbling immediately i it's done you know that it's just in terms of finding the cadence or finding like the and it writes itself you know and so like literally somebody asked the other day is like what were you what were you thinking about i was like i don't I wrote that shit so fast. I have no idea, but it's a, it's a testament to the track though. Yeah. yeah. Um, not to get, you know, never forgetting that part. And it's real humbling when shit, you see where I'm at. I sit in here for weeks and not make a fucking thing and then get an email like that. And, seconds it's over and you want to savor it but you just have no control over it like if it speaks to you like that it's just done it sparked and let it go (laughs) it was so fast like (laughs) I I didn't get to I didn't get to savor that process at all it was just it was just out Um, can you talk about your guys session making that joint do you remember
1: yeah um, it was actually a pretty quick session Um, I usually just spend like half days with Max just kind of getting in the studio and and discussing ideas and sitting down and just sitting at the keyboard or, or at his place or yours at his place. Only. Okay. Uh, mainly, um, I mean, I don't remember too much about that session in particular. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it was just one of those days where we sat there and spent a few hours and just knocked out some ideas. And, um, and he sent it to me a little later and, um, and he, he liked the track a lot. I liked it a lot. And, uh, um, and then like, I, I don't know, I don't know how much longer, like, I don't know when he sent it to you or anything like that. Cause I was sort of out of the, out of the loop for that. Um, but he sent it to you and then he hit me back with a, I think it was like a voice text first. And I was like, Ooh, this is tight. <laughs> and then he, he, uh, he sent me the full track. I was like, Oh, this is tight. Who is this? And, um, he kind of like introduced me to your music. And, um, since then I've been a fan, you know, I've been bumping all your stuff. So, uh, you know, it was a good introduction to, to you as a as a lyricist as a as a musician as an artist um and you know
0: i that that process is fun because it's you know I, I came back i I moved back to the bay in in 14 i think mm-hmm. 13 or four like late 13 early 14 and just started moving around and going going to shows and trying to meet the right people and had zero luck in the beginning Mm-hmm. Or at least what I thought was zero luck. Yeah. And as time went, you start you know started meeting the people that were doing the shit that I, that you know I, that I thought is exactly what it was like what I wanted to do or at mm-hmm. least on the same wavelength. And I'm in the studio with Flo one day, and Mac and walks Max, and Flo and I we're we we do not even know if we we're working on music that day. We're just chilling. And uh. I, Max and Tico had just had a session with, with Raj, I think maybe, and it's like, yeah, we just did this and then that. And I'm like, oh, that's what's up. We should do something. And Max, he kind he didn't sum me, but he damn near may as well. Like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 he and but it's it's funny to think about because it's like, no, nah, it's the it's just the filling out process. It's it's getting totally. it's getting to know people and see where everybody is where everyone is. And uh, you know we kept we kept running into each other, we kept seeing each other, and like building the rapport. And he was like, "Nah, we gotta do." And then he started pressing me, like, "Nah, we gotta yeah, do yeah. something." And then that it just felt good because, like, I knew. I think I I think I. I think I might have heard a Tico first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one by one, everyone's name was ringing off in different things, and it's like, damn, like those cats are making the shit that I want to make. And I remember mm-hmm. telling. Maxed that, and then eventually he connected us. And I was like, "Dog, like, like now nah, I want to do the shit, that y- like the shit that y'all are doing." Yeah. Um. And you know, that's that. Just to be able to be a fan of a uh, shit you think is special, but it be within reach. Totally. It's so important, man, and it is. Uh, it's a. Uh, uh, and I keep having keep having this conversation around validation and like what a fine line that is, and like you shouldn't need it, but. It's the human part of the ego feeding the ego where you do need validation sometimes mm-hmm. that you're doing the right shit and totally our joint hard truth is that for me because it 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 sort of plays as like a check mark or checkpoint mm-hmm. um it's post rock, but rock is such an important that that entire recording process and it's that letting go we were just talking about yeah. everything prior to was super thought like overthought and i was like i would like uh i would like fucking mute myself a lot of time. like i would write rhymes and like oh i can't say that <laughs> and in the process of recording rock we got to europe and i went hey no more of that and i uh-huh. just i just didn't cross out anything so anything that got written down is exactly what's on the record oh, that's and- tight. It propelled me in everything that's come, mm-hmm. that's coming next. Starting with hard truth, it's like I just wanted to do these records where, no matter what, it, it's my truth. As long as I can get it out, if it offends anyone, let's have a conversation about it. If it offends you to the point where we can't have a conversation, yeah, we probably weren't meant to be in each other's lives anymore. And so, not to go hella deep, but that's literally what that song means to me. And mm-hmm. so, it's a part. It literally is a partition to. The money prior to and then everything after. Where it's like, it's just my truth in this yeah. moment. I'm responsible for it. I know that there's consequences with it, but I'm going to say it because yeah. that's what art is. Um, at least for me, my understanding of it. Yeah. And so, so it's just it's just important. I don't I don't know. I I don't think well, I'd express it to anyone. So I think I
1: think that's dope because now I get a little bit more of the backstory of how you approach music and yeah. how you like you think about it and how you address the. Like inner issues you're dealing with, and how how you can relate those on paper, yeah. or you know, in in verse, yeah. um, with the music you're presenting. Yeah. Um, since I don't have too much of the backstory, it's 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 good to see how you like <laughs> how you come across, like your thoughts and ideas, and how you present yourself when dealing with like music situations, yeah, and man. and how you like, you know, want to present
0: yourself to the people Absolutely. as as more of a free thinker instead yeah. of an edited down version. It's everything's curated. Everything's cure. And, and and with artist development, and I, I I truly appreciate that aspect of it. But having sat back and watched for like the last 10 years, 12 years of like, these people just throw shit out. And it catch. Like, okay, there's a, there's something to that. There's totally. some, there's something to the curation part of it, but there's something to the the the, the freedom of just getting it getting the ideas out mm-hmm. and and creating a, a dialogue, um, and like with everything, there's a balance between the two, sure. But beginning the process if you're if you're so far to one side, which I was extremely far to the curation side and like trying to be meticulous, and it's like yeah. dog, it's just it's not conducive to the workflow nor to the truth. 'Cause you end up editing a lot of the truth out. Yeah. Just say your shit. And so that whole and I and I literally have been like this since a kid. Any any beat comes on, I'll duh, 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 just start mumbling just to find a pocket. Totally. And I remember watching a future documentary, crazy, but he was just talking about melody and like how simple he breaks it down. And he's like, y'all can hate it and love it (laughs) but it's my process this is how I do and it just that shit made so much sense to me well he's more
1: melodic anyways in terms of just straight like he's all like you know practically singing when he's rapping yeah (laughs) and it
0: but it and and when you think about some of the greatest rappers we don't think about it as melody and cadence but it it, exactly it's it's that totally some of the greatest voices we can ever think of is driven by melody no one, no one ever connects Chuck D to melody, but that is a melody for, for sure. sure. And it's like, oh shit, I've been doing that my whole life. And so I went, let me let the cadence drive the words. I've been writing like I literally like I've been writing songs so so fast. We were when we were doing rock. Chris was like, just slow down. I'm like, nah, <laughs> I can't. Like, it's I'm 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 allowing the connection to my connection to the record drive the entire thing and by totally. the end of it there's an entire concept and it's like how did you how the hell did you get a concept out of letting the melody drive in and that's where the spirituality connection to music comes into play mm-hmm. it's like there's something driving this like yeah. i can't even take full control or full cre- excuse me can't take full credit for any of the because. It literally is like a blacking out process most of the time. Like, I, I'm i dead ass serious. I don't remember one second of writing hard truth. Not yeah. a fucking second. And so it's hard to go, oh, yeah, I did that. Like, nah, the track was just fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but talk to me about uh, Crown of Life. Mm-hmm. I got it right? Yep. What year was that? That's that's pretty 2016. Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: that was that was pretty pretty recent.
0: What is that? That's not the first. Do you have anything before that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did. I did a bunch of stuff before that. Okay, cool. Um, let because I only have the la- the those the last two. I don't I don't mm-hmm. have anything before Crown Alive. So, talk to me. Take me through the discography if you can, of things that have been released.
1: Uh prior to that I did a I did a project with my friend alias John Brown. Mm-hmm. I was under another moniker. Uh, I went by Maliguti. Okay. Um and then prior to that I did a lot of one-offs. Um singles. Like like a lot of singles okay. and and I tried to push my music out as a producer and had like people helping me with that and you know I got out some good songs and worked with some cool artists. Okay. Um take
0: us take us through that list if you don't mind
1: sure uh let's see uh kind of started with bringing up uh DJ Devro again mm-hmm. um they he started this this DJ uh crew called Demolition Men. Mm-hmm. and they did all of the uh they did like a lot of the bay area mixtapes back when mixtapes were like the thing uh so they were working with like Jacka and Hustla and Mr. Fab and Big Rich and the Hood Stars. Yeah. yeah. And, uh the team and Jay <laughs> Stalin. I mean all the like bay cats. Like, yeah. If there was like a bay cat in the bay, they were like they were on it. They yeah. were on it. Um and I was going to expressions at the time. So I was already like trying to get my foot in the like recording engineering game. Yeah. Um but plus still trying to like find myself musically. Um and I spent a long time not even working with artists, just trying to like like create a sound Absolutely. or and not put anything out um and then uh once they started doing that stuff they kind of introduced me to a bunch of artists and um, they kind of helped me like further my musical career and just getting my music into people's hands yeah. and and so you know on, on a lot of those mixtapes i would help with like um uh, mixing the stuff but then they also like um, hit me up for music production Like they would be like Yo can we use this for this So Absolutely. um I got to do stuff for like Jacka and Hustla And Sick. Mr. Fab And um, Just a bunch of folks uh, So If you hear any of those mixtapes I got stuff on them And you know I look back at those times Like At the time I was like Still so Like <laughs> I don't know Like I I didn't feel secure Like yeah, I was yeah, dealing yeah. with a lot of like Are these beats even good yeah. Like Do I want people to listen to these things yeah. Um and I still didn't have that like, the bump behind them. But yeah. they were good. It was good music. Yeah. Um, so they they did a lot of that stuff. And then um, later on, I got to do stuff. Uh, I met a couple other folks um, who actually really influenced me. Um, like, there's been stages of my musical inspirations. Like Dev was the first one that mm-hmm. like really showed me how to do it. And then um, uh, they got introduced to uh, this guy Doug Infinite, who is from Chicago. Mm-hmm and I mean, um, basically a Chicago legend in terms of hip hop stuff. Yeah. Um, And he moved to the Bay and he really showed me like, I mean, chopping samples and like, I mean, Dev showed me all that stuff too, but this was just like a different way and he- To approach it. yeah, Yeah. And he really like, he really helped me progress musically. Like, I feel like there's been points, Dev, Doug, Tico and Max and yeah. stuff like that. There's there's points of my music um, where I made like big strides, and I feel like at that time Doug helped me with like a lot of big strides in terms of chopping up samples, um, layering drums, stuff like that. Then you got your knock. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then you know once that pursued, I got a little more confident, um, and then at that time he he like uh, introduced me to some folks who helped me push my music um and and got my music into um some big artist names but i i never like never got like payment for any of that stuff so it was kind of like a a hit and miss thing like i would get my music into these people's hands and these were like big artists at the time Mm -hmm. Uh, but i never like i wasn't in the studio i wasn't like curating the mix i wasn't directing the like you know the traffic on oh, this town. This uh, this flow sounds tight here. Yeah. Like I wanted to be more. You wanted of to that be. You wanted guy. to be a producer for real. Yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to be a producer, and um, and and a lot of the cool stuff came out of there. I did some stuff for Stat Quo and Trife the God. Jeez, and, man. And but I never like I wasn't in the studio like I I like wanted that yeah. like I didn't want to be like oh here's my beats go okay. use my beats yeah. you know I wanted to be more involved and, and influence the process more yeah. And at that time I was like I was like, This is not what I wanna do. I don't wanna be that guy who's just, <laughs> just like just a beat maker. Yeah, I don't wanna be Mr. Beatmaker yeah. and, and not feel the like the accomplishment of like taking a project, nurturing it, developing it, and then putting it out. Absolutely. Um so at that point I was like, Man, I don't I, I'm gonna take a break. I wanna like figure out what I wanna do. And at huh. that time I met um i I mean they didn't meet but but started to really talk to Tico and Max yeah. um discussing like music production and stuff and they were already doing live shows and um I mean they were like huge inspirations to me in yeah. terms of just performance yeah. and and ingenuity and creativity and um just exploring the boundaries of of what they were doing musically as DJs. Like Absolutely. they weren't just like Club DJs, they were like musicians, <clears throat> but but DJ musicians. They Never. were like, they were creating their own records where they would they would bring in um, jazz artists like piano players, horn players, sample all Those guys of them. are insane, man. Yeah, and they would make their own records <laughs> yep. so that that they would have sounds that no one else had. And they could play it out. And they could play it out. And they could play it. Not only could they play it out, they could play it with bands. Yep. They could be in a band. And musically be involved with a band, not just scratching like you know, fresh, fresh, fresh. Yeah. Like they were literally <laughs> playing horns, they were literally <laughs> playing keys, and and so it was like, you know, mind blowing for me. I mean, I was Damn like, "Whoa, man. this is tight." Yeah. They're they really like they're really trying to step up the game. So, yeah. um, so you know, just hanging with them, being influenced, and then uh, I would say the next big jump in my like. My like musical learning process was really um, being with them and and uh forming that group fame, mm-hmm. which was a fresh analog music experience, and just playing shows with them, yeah, like learning the process of like because I had never I wasn't like a performing like artist at all, Absolutely. I was just like at home knocking out tracks on the NPC, yeah, <clears throat> and so uh, exploring musically with them was was like really eye-opening because um it just helped me grow as a musician like i i started playing around with keyboards um i started learning about chord progressions Absolutely. chord changes <laughs> um you know what bridges are yeah. what choruses are like like before i would just make my like eight bar loop and be like all right i gotta knock this next one you know what i mean Yo. it was like it wasn't like I developed, like, a full, like, thought-out song. Like, here's the the, intro. Here's the verse. Here's the chorus. Here's a bridge. Like, here's a breakdown. Um, And that helped me, like, really gain a respect for, like, songwriting and the the process of creating a song that have, like, varying varying points of, like, emotion or, like, feel or vibe. It wasn't so stagnant as just, like, the, like four bar and not to say like i mean that's what inspired me as a kid was exactly like, no 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 all of that stuff like i have the hip-hop songs that are like my favorites of all time it's like or <laughs> just a loop two bar loop <laughs> four bar loop like it wasn't like anything like you know all that crazy but the vibe was there and it's about yeah. the vibe but um but uh but yeah they really helped me um expand and i learned a lot you know working with them and we did that for a number of years um like they they influenced me heavily and yeah. and I mean I got like so much love and respect for those guys so yeah. um, to this day I'm still like learning from them so
0: that's incredible man and does that does the fame does fame get us to present get us to 16 or is there stuff in between uh, no
1: so after fame I I took a t- I took some time off from music because yeah. I felt like at that time what I, what I was doing in the group is I was playing the MPC gotcha and. And I still didn't really wrap my head around pianos or like being a keyboard player or anything like that. Like, I really wanted to learn that. So for at least a year, year and a half, I didn't make any music. All I did was sit in front of the piano. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't touch. I didn't, I didn't even like turn my MPC on. I didn't do anything as a
0: as as just to just to show discipline as a sign of discipline. Just to
1: just to learn. Like, I, I felt like if I didn't learn this, I wouldn't be able to progress as an artist. So it was like one of those things where I stopped completely making music, mm-hmm. um, and and just wanted to learn the like the keyboard and learn songwriting. And I mean, I didn't have a teacher. And I was literally like, that's what I was going to ask. Did you watching go, did you go YouTube take clips. Okay. No, I was reading like real books. Real books are like are like musical notation books for like uh, Gigging musicians. Like mm-hmm. they were like, oh, I want to learn like Herbie Hancock's Watermelon Man. They'd yeah. be like, oh, do you have that real book? Oh yeah, hand me that real book. I'll learn it really quick. Gotcha. Um, so i was either reading those or i was watching youtube clips on like you know like neo soul chords or (laughs) or you know just just the just the most random things i could find that would help me learn like oh what's a two five one progression Mm -hmm. like you know i mean i didn't even know really what a two five one was like so it was like and i mean i'm not saying i have like i'm any great like (laughs) musician in terms of like knowing theory and stuff, but it helped me at least get to the point where I felt comfortable I could sit in front of a keyboard and be like, Oh, I know what a major nine is Absolutely. or a minor nine. I know
0: what a major seven is, yeah. you know. Um And that and and we started off talking about photography and like being a beginner at something again. And that seems pretty consistent throughout your journey where it's like, nah, I need to be new at this again, mm-hmm. you know, from DJing to production to, to song structure to gigging then be like nah let me really understand you know i don't know I, just, I don't know what to make of it but it's it's so important to for the soul to be fed to that magnitude because i mm-hmm. i imagine there was a like a euphoric as high that you felt and being terrible yeah, and totally. then one day going oh kinda got a grasp on this theory shit, you know, like For sure. that breakthrough, you know, I'm I'm sure I'm sure in the moment it probably took a while to realize it, like, damn, I kinda know what I'm doing now. But I I experienced something extremely similar where all I want my whole life, all I wanted to do was rap. Like mm-hmm. I had no intentions of doing anything else. And my mentor, um, in college it's Like fam, you sitting around waiting for fuck motherfuckers to send you beats. You should probably learn how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Like nah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I want to. But I but my whole life I collected records. Yeah. I had my turntable. Like my whole life, I got so I would at I'm at school and I, at home I got crates and crates and crates of records. I don't know why I got them. I just think it's cool to have. Rec- I think you're supposed to have records as a totally. head. And I come home one day from from classes and he's bought me a sampler. And he's like figure it out like where to start you know i have no idea where to start but in that process start figuring out like i have shit i want to say that can't be done in words you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 sound and color like and and now i'm now and and i'll never forget the day it was like mid it was like middle of the day too like took a nap and had a vivid ass dream but it was all around the color and I was teaching myself how to how to how to how to make. I was using reason at the time, but I so I had a I had an ottoman next to my futon with my MIDI keyboard and my computer always set up, and my monitors were right in front of the ottoman. It was weird. It's the weirdest <laughs> shit because it's like in the middle of my room. And I like woke up <gasps> and just got on the keyboard and just made the shit. But it was exactly what I dreamt about. Yeah. And that was like the like. That high, like I've been chasing that high ever since now. Like, but it's I've had to tear myself back down, and now I'm in the process that you were at, where I'm really trying to get a grasp on theory, and and understand chords and totally you know, like in chord structure. Like, I really, really want to get my brain around it because it is the next step as a as with my that as far as my you know my vision of success for myself, you know, it it it's centered around exploring music to its fullest just because it's based off of inspiration you know so that's fuck i I knew i liked you (laughs) (laughs) i I knew it i fucking knew it (laughs) (laughs) um damn so now that now that we know all this what what can we expect next you know um i've been working on a few things just trying to
1: trying to wrap up the music I'm working on now, I mean, I yeah. got, like, a bunch of different, like, sounds that I'm working on, but yeah. um, I've been plugging away at this one sound that I want to, like, you know, push forward a little bit. Yeah. Um, completely different from my last two projects. Yeah, um,
0: Crown of Life and... And Vosay. And Vosay. There you go. That, um, that shit's jamming, by the way. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> we were... Was that... I think we are on our way to L.A. and we were listening to that. Uh, oh, Sal okay. Kate and I, Yeah, that was fucking fun. Super and I have, good. and you sent me a copy of Crown of Life, which I'm hyped about, and we bumped that for a while. <laughs> it's in here somewhere. Well, I man,
1: you know, what's funny is that you're like one of those people that like you rarely come across. It's like the people that you don't know, but you know like that you respect them so much is because they reach out to you, and you <laughs> hardly know the person. They reach out to you, and they show so much love, and you're like dang who is this guy i want to meet this person <laughs> i want to know what he's about because like very rarely do you get an, another artist show you so much love yeah, yeah. where it's like because they're so i mean and i and I understand that because being an artist myself you get really wrapped up in in your own shit in your own 100, 100%. shit 100 percent. like but very rarely do you meet other artists that like and i'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing i understand it like yeah. very rarely do you meet artists that are like Yo, I love what you're doing. Yeah, like I want to support you in what you're doing. Yeah, like that's rare. Yeah. Well, um,
0: I I watched something where it was the making of. Uh, they did these breakdowns for the making of Magna Carta, mm-hmm. uh, Hov's second to last album, and they were talking to Pharrell, and he was talking about the spirit of fandom, mm-hmm. and that shit resonated with me so much because literally I wouldn't be making music. If I wasn't like the biggest music fan ever. Yeah. And so, and what happened and what really scared me from taking music series, serious in high school and that early, those early few years of college were like a lot of my homies that were having success couldn't listen to anything. Like they couldn't listen to anything without being super critical. Mm-hmm. It's like, dog, you were just a really big fan a couple of years ago. What the fuck happened to you? Yeah. And that scared me. I was like, oh, if that's what happens, I'll probably never take this music shit serious because that is nuts. Yeah. But I realized that that wasn't indicative of everyone. Mm -hmm. And so the people that I deemed successful musically still had their fandom intact. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. Because before, before we do anything, we imitate the shit that we're fans of. Totally. You hear something, you get inspired, you go home and you try to do that. And in the process of trying to do that, you find something else. Yeah. Um and so I've made a real effort that if I hear something that moves me, yo. <laughs> Especially if they're somewhat accessible. Yeah. You know? Like and and as and as a and as a, as a musician that spends a lot of fucking time alone, again, it's back to that validation. Like yeah. even if I'm not giving it, let me shout out the other homie that I don't know what the fuck he going through, but what what's what's it gonna hurt me to say I really really like this? If mm-hmm. I didn't like, I I. So funny, we were on a JetBlue flight, and everything went great, and got upgraded. And it was like it was like really really dope. <laughs> nice. And I went, and I tweeted. I was like, yo, let me big up JetBlue because if something was wrong, I would probably tweet about it. But since everything's going great, let me tweet. And they were yeah, like, yeah. yo, that's love. <laughs> JetBlue re- retweeted. It. it was like, yo, that's love. And that's the same thing with people. We can comment and write posts about the shit that we hate and rarely do we big up the shit that we love. Yeah. It's like why totally. don't we just do the opposite. Like it's the same amount of energy. Like it's you're like, exerting the same energy. It's like the whole internet is based off that. <laughs> <laughs> because you get and and I get it, it's that gratification. You get way more engaging engagement because it's a gang mentality. When totally. it's something that you don't like, everybody chimes in and you feel you know, you got you feel like you got a like a peer group. You know, you feel supported in that stance. Whereas if you took that same energy to go, yo, I really fuck with this song, people might not be as engaged, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, damn, I really want to, I really want to, at least I want to shift that in my world. I want to talk about the things that I enjoy. Yeah. And I just so happened to stumble on a whole bunch of music and a whole bunch of artists in general and really dope professionals in my general vicinity that I have access to. And that literally is why I did do the show. Yeah. It's people that I'd fuck with that I can reach. I can DM be like, Hey, I notice is weird. Will you be on my podcast? Totally. And they're like, for sure. You know? Yeah. And it's like, why? Why? Cause I could, I could have a show and just rant and rave about the shit that I hate. And it would do numbers. Probably. <laughs> it would probably do fucking great. Yeah. But here sitting down with people that I fuck with, Shout out to Noble. Thank you, brother, for being on the show, man. Oh, man. My pleasure, dude. This was awesome. (laughs) Glad to
1: finally communicate and discuss. In real time, right? Definitely. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Let's
0: meet the brave, y'all.